Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. So we launched this podcast as COVID-19 was beginning to take effect and change a bunch of the ways that we work and how we think about work. We've worked really hard to consider some of the short-term and long-term effects that COVID-19 has left in its wake. But I think now it's time to get back to some of the basics of building a great culture. Examining some of the core policies and processes that help you build a culture that enables your people rather than hinder them. We want to talk much more about culture ops. So today, we're going to be discussing the effect of a good one-on-one on your culture. And to do that with me, I'd like to welcome Phil Burton, COO at Bloom and Wild. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Ben. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. I've, we've done like 19, 20 episodes. We were saving you for when I feel like I can do a good job of this. Amazing. I'm expecting great things then. Um, how, how have you found the lockdown? How's it been for you? Uh, yeah, it's been, like, you know, interesting time as I'm sure like everyone else comments. I guess it's like been interesting from a professional and a personal point of view in like a couple of different ways. Like professional, um, we went in, we went fully remote. Uh, I think it was on the Thursday before the week of Mother's Day. Um, and uh, like for those that aren't familiar with our business, Mother's Day is by far the um, biggest week of the year for us. Um, and I guess like the way that we uh like get through mother's day is by all coming together and that was like generally like in the heartbeat of our company which is our office so you'd see like people like moving desks like running between teams like you know basically just executing really quickly um and then we were suddenly like all in different places like trying to do that and and learning how to like work effectively remotely in the like biggest week of the year for us so um it was an interesting challenge, but like we got through it, and I was like amazed, like how you can um, adapt and react to these things um, like super quickly. Um, and then, like from a personal point of view, um, got two young daughters, and um, it's been like awesome to see my youngest in particular. Um, like just see her way more than I saw my first daughter at this stage. Um, so yeah, she um, is like now 15 months old, and I like, just feel like I've spent a ton, ton of time with her. Um, like watched her grow up, been there for like all the important milestones over the last few months, just because I happen to have been in the house late. Um, so yeah, that's been really cool. Amazing, and 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 you sort of touched on not having the office there as your kind of central hub of your culture. Do you think that having to deal with the the challenge of executing on something like Mother's Day in a remote setting has brought you all closer together? Yeah, I I, I think so. I think there was like a sort of, especially in the early days, this like sort of siege mentality that like we will not let this impact the success of this like huge event for our business. Um, And I think like people came together. I think like people were like, you know, um, 
you know, pretty scrappy, um, like mucking in in areas of the business which they like weren't used to. Um, and and I, yeah, I, I think like we came together. I think um, like a ton of people ended up working with people that they otherwise may not have worked with um, if we'd all been in the office and like sort of functions had been segregated in the normal like pre-COVID way. So um, yeah, I think it's like you know in a weird way being remote has actually like fostered a bunch of new relationships across the company, which I, I think has been super cool to see. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the story you tell is a story that I've heard from, from, from lots of people, right? Which is that through, through challenge comes, comes prosperity in some ways, right? We, we learn things, we, uh, we're brought closer. Yeah, absolutely. So you are a bit of a seasoned operator. This is not your first rodeo. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure I'd describe myself as that, but it's very kind of you. Uh, you were at Birchbox pre pre Blue Wild. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and would you say that's kind of where you cut your teeth? Um, I was actually a startup before Birchbox, um, which uh, didn't work out and had a like pretty cliched like um, roller coaster of a startup experience. It was a men men's fashion um, e commerce company, like super early stage. Um, I'd say like that's where I like cut my teeth before that I was a lawyer and, and that was my first like gig not as a lawyer so um, I think like the rate of learning even though that didn't like work out was uh, amazing and so um, I think that's one of the sort of main um, periods of my life which like supercharged my development so um, and then like Birchbox was about putting some rigor and some professionalism around that sort of scrappy early stage startup learning. Um, so, you know, that was like super important for, for my career and the way I thought about things. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, this is the third um, e-commerce company um, I've been involved in. So, um, yeah, there's obviously something about it I like. And And I suppose the reason why I asked Phil on the podcast today was because the topic that we're talking about, I think requires some context and it requires the ability to, you know, compare experiences over a couple of different environments. Right. Um, you know, we're talking about one-on-ones and I think, you know, from where I'm sitting, these are foundational, I think, to get, getting your culture in a really, really good place. And so I really wanted to have someone today who's, who's got that experience of multiple businesses and also, you know, previous to, to being part of the kind of startup ecosystem when you're a lawyer, I'm sure you had a, a very different experience. Um, where I want to start is, do you remember a one-on-one that you had in your career that really left a mark on you? Great question. Um, there was an interaction I had as a lawyer, which I'm not even sure you would describe as a formal one-to-one. I didn't think it was like in our diaries, but um, I was an associate and I had a sort of half an hour with a pretty senior partner um, at the firm I was working in. Um, and he's called Mark. I might send him this because he can, I, I expect he doesn't remember it at all, um, but it like made a mark on me. Um, excuse the pun um and um we had a session where we were started talking about like a deal we were working on but it quickly moved into um him asking me some um really like quite 
well, clear but like deep questions about why I was finding this deal particularly stressful. And it like transcended from like talking about that deal to generally like how did I think about work and what was my relationship to work. Um, and it really like stuck out in my head because it was one of the first times where I felt like a, a, a manager was um, moving beyond the sort of transactional, like what do you need to get done today, Phil, or what do you need to get done next week, Phil, to like how are you feeling about work? How are you feeling about life? Like, um, like how do your feelings right now impact the next week, the next month, the next year? And it was like one of those conversations where like, it was the first time I'd actually spoken to anyone about like, oh, guy gets stressed about X, Y, Z. And it, it really like, changed my behavior. Um, and it like, had a lasting effect, you know, until today. So, um, like, yeah, for me, it was like, a, I remember it being a fairly like, transformative conversation. Mark like, probably doesn't remember it at all. I'm like, still in touch with him. I like, might send him this. I've never actually mentioned to him that it was like transformative either, which is like my bad. I should probably feed back on that. Yeah, he's probably th- sitting there thinking, you know, I invested all this time in Phil and, you know. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And they're like, tell him almost 10 years later, hey, like, that was awesome. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to unpick that for a moment. If you had to really focus, what were the kind of elements of that conversation? If you were going to teach what Mark did well, what what would have been the themes that you'd have pulled out of that conversation that you'd want to share with others as a way of saying, this is how you do it well? Yeah. I think he asked about me as a person. So he wasn't asking about my work or what we were doing that week. He was asking some fundamental questions about how I felt. Um, and you know, that was related to work and about stress and about the fact that I was worried about certain things about this transaction. But but really, he was like fundamentally asking me, like, how was I feeling? I think that was, um, it sounds crazy, but like, um, as a lawyer, you know, we didn't have that many, we didn't have many conversations. So, you know, I've worked in several law firms and I didn't have many conversations like that. Um, so that, that was super meaningful. Um, I think he was... He was also striving to um, find some answers which had um, and and ways of thinking which had long-term impact. So he wasn't just trying to prize out of me some answers which could help get that week's work over the line or that deal over the line. I think he was really trying to like um, understand some frameworks I could use about the way I thought about work that could help me in the long run. You know, both for like the remain remainder of my like tenure at his firm, but also like the rest of my career. So for, I think there was this long term versus like short term aspect to it as well. Um, and and I think he listened a ton. It wasn't a one way dialogue. He wasn't telling me like, "Hey, I've you know been a lawyer, a partner for you know X amount of years, and this is how I think you should do it, Phil." It was uh, you know, he really listened to me and. You know, I was I was the one providing the content. It felt more like a coaching type conversation rather than a this is how you should do it, Phil, type conversation. So what do you think the power of getting these conversations right sort of is, specifically in relation to culture? You know, what's the benefit for a business in terms of taking time to make these conversations really valuable? 
I um, I think sometimes we as managers underestimate the impact that these conversations have on the people we have them with. So I think, um, and I've like, done this myself, you sort of just assume, like, you know, oh, I've got a one-to-one with such and such. Um, like I have the one-to-one and I don't think anything more about it until I speak to that person, you know, at the same time the following week. Actually, I, I think it's like really, it has a lasting impression on people. I, I think, you know, I, I think a lot about the one-to-one I have with my own boss, Aaron, um, until I have the, you know, the, the, the next one with him. So it has this like impact for the rest of my week or two weeks if I'm not speaking to him for, for that length of time. So it, I think um, it has a lasting impact. So I think, I think that's, a, that's a critical thing. Um, I um, I think it's like an amazing way, way to scale um, both information sharing and like um, demonstration of values in a really intimate setting. So, you know, lots of people in the workplace want to like have a ton of business context. They want to like know what like, um, people are working on, um, like understand how their contribution fits into overall business strategy. Now, like there is definitely a time and place for like monthly all hands or weekly standups sharing um, some of this stuff. But, um, you know, those forums don't lend themselves particularly well to having like really deep conversations about the nuances around some of this stuff and feelings, um, people's feelings about it. Um, and, and I think one-to-ones are the right forum for that. So, um, you know, I, I can like speak to, um, you know, my direct reports about how I think about a like project which is upcoming. They then like has a scaling power. Speak to their um, direct reports, or they speak to you know other functions about it. Um, so it's a way of like having a really meaningful conversation, which can then like scale across the company. So I think that's one thing. And then it, it's also like um, a way of. So talking more about our values and how why we think like doing xyz fits with our values and me really trying to demonstrate like um you know in a more articulate more articulate and intimate environment um about what those values are so i i think again like you can get up in a monthly meeting you can say like you know we have five values and you know this is a tagline for each of the values but until you see people like living and breathing them it's hard to really understand what they are and i think one-to-ones are a great forum to you know for me to really show my direct reports like yeah i live and breathe this value and this is why um and again i think that can like scale across the company quite quickly you're describing i can't remember what book it's in i was about to say someone once told me and then i was like no it's in a book you've read and you're about to pass off an anecdote as your own story. So I'm not going to do that, but it's in a book I've read. Uh, This is not my own story. Someone describes a good manager or a good leader as a, as a router. I'm looking at my bookshelf now thinking, I think it's in uh, hard things about hard things, but I'm not sure if it is. Um, A good leader or a good manager should be a wireless router an internet router. And a lot of what you're doing is like picking up information and sending it somewhere else, listening to what people are saying yeah. and, se- and sending it somewhere else. And I think, you know, what you've described is exactly that, which is this ability to disseminate information through good conversations and yeah. it not being one directional. It has to be both ways. It has to be the ability for people to transmit information back up to you. This is how we're feeling. This is how I'm feeling. This is how things are going. 
and for also you to be able to share how you're seeing things, how you're feeling about things that are happening and for it to be that kind of yeah. multi-directional. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the other forums like, you know, monthly all hands, like, you know, that can be two directional. You sort of, you know, you can, people can ask you questions like live in the session or however you do it at the end, but you're not going to have the level of, question and you're not going to like get to the like heart of some of the like nuances and 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 some of the like trade-offs you have to make around some of this stuff because you know people don't want to be that open sometimes in a you know room full of 130 other people so you know sometimes you know there are trade-offs with lots of the things we decide to work on and they and, and having conversations and being honest around what those trade-offs are i think like the one-to-one environment is the best place to do that i find personally anyway so let's let's talk tactically. You know what what's the structure for one on ones at Bloom World? Yeah, we don't like have a mandated structure as such. We have um, every manager at the business has had um, management training, and we like as part of that. There's a um, a framework on how we suggest to have one to ones, but it's like certainly not mandated. I guess the only part of it which you, you could sort of describe as the most mandated part is there has to be a regular one to one between a manager and their direct report. Um, and people have different um, cadences of depending on um, like seniority and function. I, I tend to, um, I think most of my direct reports, I um, have a one-to-one once a week. Some some people, I probably have it every two weeks. Um, and I, I would say, if you sort of canvassed opinion across the um, company, I think most people would generally be talking about four main themes or topics. Um, certainly, I am. So, like, number one, people. I think that's probably, like, the bit which we, I talk about the most in my direct reports, um, basically talking about, like, um, you know what's going on with their team how everything's going like help them with any like people related challenges or worries they have um, I think then like a sort of sub part of that is their own personal development as a person um, themselves um, I, I like I'll hold my hand up here like I wish I spent more time in my one-to-ones talking about that aspect that's a bit I think I can get better at as a as a manager um, uh, I think we, I, I personally try and use um, our OKRs as a framework for most one-to-ones to um, like um, try and um, understand um, like how we're progressing on various things. And I think like using OKRs as a framework, the beauty of it is it's um, we, we're talking more about um, where we think we're going to get to rather than the um, like intricate details of the journey to get there, which I think sometimes that's where I've seen like one one to ones go wrong, is where like it's a shopping list of like tell me exactly how you're executing A to Z, um, and, and I think that's a less useful um, topic of conversation in, in a one to one. So I, I prefer to talk about like you know are we still aligned on the end goal? Like how do you think you know, do you think we're likely to get to that end goal? Are you reprioritizing it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then any stuff outside of OKRs, I think we sort of like generally try and get a bit of a um, like a, a pulse check on projects and like how we think they're going. So um, I think that's pretty like my like broad framework. Try and make sure there's like a mix of short term and long term. Um, again, like I think there's a danger in like falling into the trap of like let's just talk about the things which need to get done this week. Um, and I, I think that 
generally, in my experience, leads to less useful one-to-ones. Um, yeah, and, and I like to think the key thing is um, it should it should be a two-way conversation. And in fact, like it's not my time; it's the you know the time um, of my direct reports. They should own it. They generally own the agenda. I have like you know editing rights to add things to the agenda, but um, generally speaking, I you know when we were talking about topics i would say sort of 75 percent of them have been added um uh by the other person not me which like feels like the right sort of waiting hmm. i was literally going to ask you the follow-up question how much of this is driven by you versus how much is driven by them so if i'm not asking that you know my, the next question down on my list would be do you ever consider having a different length or style meeting for a different topic so within what you've described there you've got personal development alongside you know objectives and key results is there ever a clash in terms of actually we need to separate those two things out and have two separate conversations or are you typically touching upon everything within the same uh time frame no i think sometimes you have to decouple them we've we've got into quite a good habit um of we generally populate our agenda like a few days in advance at least sort of 24 hours in advance um and i go in and, and have a look and i think we, we're all quite good now at um being quite careful around um how we phrase um the bullets of our agenda so that um each of us can like understand what the broadly speaking what the conversation is going to be about um and that's important because i then have um some time to intervene and say hey i feel like this is going to be a big important topic and i think we should probably spend our entire one-to-one talking about it uh, let's deprioritize that other stuff i had one like that a couple of weeks ago where i could see 24 hours in advance say hey this feels like a meaty topic like super um you know, relevant and worthy of our like entire one-to-one time. Let's just focus on this. And I think we ended up spending um, like 80, 90 minutes on that one topic. Um, and then the rest of the stuff like uh, got deprioritized, either picked up in a separate session or deprioritized to the, to the following week. So like, I, I'm pretty um, like ruthless on my prioritization of this stuff. And I will generally tend to prioritize the like, personal development or like um you know more sort of long-term character building type stuff than i do the like um you know we absolutely need to talk about this project because we've got a deadline by friday i actually like tend to deprioritize that stuff and say like let's take it out of our one-to-one let's talk about it over slack or like put some comments on the one-to-one so i know what you wanted to talk about so what drives you to do that because i think those are the more meaningful conversations like you know, the example i had a, co- a couple of weeks ago was you know that clearly was the top of that person's worry list um you know they had a bunch of like deliverables that they had to get done by friday but like that wasn't the thing potentially keeping them up at night um and i think it's my job to like um you know create as much like clarity and calm as possible and 
by like you know tackling that and like giving it a dedicated amount of time i think it, like well i hope it really helped that person's headspace to like then get on with like you know what i would classify just more as the more sort of execution focused stuff which they you know we don't need to talk about as deeply um and that's probably not the stuff that's keeping them up at night and like i can unblock that stuff quite easily on slack or over email or over comments on a google doc yeah you're you're so right and and i think it's very easy to focus on the operational stuff that's the easiest stuff to talk about right you know you just named it there you said it's easy for me to unblock those things these bigger topics about progression about development about you know where am i going in my career you know how is how is my role going to develop you know maybe a a relationship at work between two people and how try to get that right is is causing some challenges you know ultimately those are the things that that really matter and and i actually also believe have a much greater effect on people's performance absolutely i 100% agree and like you know i i just i try and put myself in um the other person's shoes if if my boss Aaron said to me like hey Phil like I, I saw you put on the agenda that topic about your personal development over the next year and like hey like can we talk about it next um week because I I want to talk about this project you've got to get done by Friday like I, like, I know how that's going to make me feel I know that it's going to like weigh on my mind you know for the, for the you know the rest of the week I, it's going to make me like have second thoughts of, like you know is Aaron not prioritizing my personal development over that project um so yeah, you know, luckily I don't have a manager that that, that does that. So um, yeah, I, I try and like you know respect um, people's like priorities and, and and their worries and and make sure that I'm like tackling them head on as quickly as I can. I think that's like is being in the operations team in particular is even easier to get caught into like let's have a shopping list of like projects you're working on and things we need to like tick off our list and i i i found it as a operations leader even tougher to um resist doing that um because you sort of feel like it's your job to be firefighting and executing, you know, a hundred things at once. And, you know, that is the most, um, you know, valuable use of your time. But I guess like, as I've um, spent more time in these sorts of environments and managed more people and managed a, a, um, you know, a wider, like diverse pool of people, I've come to understand that um, like, no tackle that long-term character building, personal development, um, skill set type area first yeah so that's one of the places where you know i think people get these conversations wrong like what are the, some of the other ways that people get these wrong um i think <laughs> i'm giving away all of my um failures and weaknesses i, I think something i have some like upward feedback I've had over the years and 360 feedback, etc. Um, is that um, I, I can sometimes not be fully present at um, all interactions. Um, again, it's like because I feel like I, you know, should be on top of a million things and like I'm firefighting. And and, and I think in the past I've been guilty of not being a hundred percent present in a during a one to one and like be you know have slack in there 
you know, on the side or like reading emails as they come through and I, like, I won't be responding to them, but I'll at least be like thinking about them somewhere in my head while at the same time talking to someone about something super important to them. And, um, and, and yeah, so I, I think like a manager not being fully present during a one-to-one is, yeah, like a, you know, a, a bit of a, like, what, it's it's happens all too often like unfortunately not our company but i've I've seen it a lot and it's something i've tried to like stamp out of my own behavior um so i think that can be a bit of an issue i think um managers not prioritizing one-to-one so it like being one of the first things which like slips out of your diary if you're like busy or under pressure i was like oh hey i'll just cancel that and um you know i'll have my you know i'll catch up with that person next week like don't get me wrong. I I occasionally, while you know, and I, I never do it unilaterally. I always have a conversation with my data report. If there's not much in the agenda, and we feel like both of us would like half an hour back, and we want to have a more meaningful interaction next week, then that's totally cool. But I don't think as a like manager, I should be unilaterally deprioritizing one to ones because I happen to be personally busy. Um, and then like connected, I you know you need to make sure you're putting in a bit of advanced work into your one-to-ones again like i i can sometimes be guilty of um you know engaging with the agenda you know a few minutes in advance and that's also not cool like uh, you know you should be engaging with it um throughout the week like for us it should be like a live document like it should be like starting to think through um possible solutions or context you know or, or you know like um you know even you know, trying to be proactive and sensing that, oh, I need to get information from X, Y, Z to then make that one-to-one more um, useful. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's some upfront work and that's, there always is going to be if you want that, you know, hour or however long you have them to be useful. I just want to pick up on your point about, you know, being present, firefighting, needing to be in the moment. How do you reconcile that in your head? Because running a small business, running a startup, running a scale-up, whatever you want to call it, it's hard. There are always fires. And it's really hard sometimes to focus on something like we just talked about that feels more long-term, feels more ethereal, feels more, um, you know, not now, not a burning blaze. How do you reconcile that in your head? And how do you try to stay focused on the conversation in hand i think a couple of things for me this boils down to trust so i should be able to step away from slack and email for an hour and our company to be absolutely fine um and the fact that i like historically have not been prepared to do that it's not really a reflection on our team, it's a reflection on me. Um, that I like wasn't trusting enough. Um, and you know, I have then like forced myself to do that. And surprise, surprise, the business is absolutely fine. In fact, to be honest, like probably performs better given that I'm not like stepping in every five minutes. So like it, it, it come, I think it comes down to trust and it comes down to like me changing like my behavior. Um so, yeah, I think that's one thing. And then I guess like a, a, a tool I use like personally is like whenever I catch myself starting to do it, I remind myself 
how I feel when I get to the end of a one-to-one and have done that. And I generally feel like pretty guilty. Um, And I don't want to feel guilty. So I like stop doing it Um, because, you know, historically, like I, I didn't, take pleasure in not being completely present in these meetings i sort of just felt i had to be like doing two things at once but then i would have a sense of guilt afterwards because i'd feel well you know we're having an important conversation and i wasn't really like 100 percent present and oh i hope that person didn't notice or i hope that they you know that i didn't give them the wrong advice because i you know happened to be like thinking about something else and i just reminding myself like okay well if you don't want to feel guilty about it don't do it in the first place um <laughs> it's a good little tactic i use yeah that's really nice that's really nice i do the same but it's sort of for me it's about preparation when i prepare really well for a one-on-one they they typically are really good conversations when i don't prepare and just turn up like hey phil what do you want to talk about then yeah you know they're they're less good conversations and so for me that looks like reminding myself what their kind of personal development goals are reviewing our notes from our last conversation uh you know and we do ours on a kind of monthly basis uh longer conversations once a month um and sort of you know weekly chats if we need it but really putting that time if i'm going to spend an hour once a month with someone i want to make sure i really invest in the in the prep and the follow-up and in in doing so they end up being valuable conversations but when i don't prep then they aren't valuable conversations yeah totally so, you know, the audience of this of this podcast is really mixed, but we know we've got a, a bunch of people who are relatively early on, in some cases, within their leadership, people management journey. And I'm going to say you're a veteran. I don't know if you're going to take that well, or, or you're going to see that as, a, as an insult, but I've learned a lot well, from thanks. you. I've learned a lot from you over the years, for sure. And um, you're, in, you're an incredibly humble person. Um, and you know, you don't go shouting about yourself all over the shop, but you, you know, a lot and you've been incredibly consistent and successful over your career. Um, so what are the three tips that you would give to someone who is maybe starting out or maybe feeling like their one-on-ones aren't a hit? What are your three tips to making them really successful? It connects to our conversation just now. Like, yeah, number one, like take them seriously. Like when you're thinking about, you know, the three or four things you have to achieve that week in terms of your own personal workload, like nailing your one-to-one should be like top of that list. Um, and and that's how I think about them on, on a weekly basis. So take them seriously and 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 prioritize them accordingly. Um, secondly, like listen, don't lead. So it's not your time, your personal time. It's, you know, your direct reports time. Um, and, and that can be quite difficult if your direct report is, is junior in particular. They won't be used to, like, leading a meeting, but it's, it's your job to, um, like, coach them on that and, um, and to actively encourage them to, to own that meeting, to, like, own the agenda, to um, own the direction of the conversation. So, like don't um, feel you sort of have to step in and um, and dominate that meeting and, and if you sort of feel at the end that you, you have been the more active participant then um, 
I think you like need to readjust the direction of how you're running your one-to-ones um, because it really like you should be listening more than you should be talking. Um, and then the third thing I would say, this goes back to like, my story about Mark in the first place, like be prepared to dig deeper. Like don't just take stuff at face value and don't just, um, you know, accept someone is like, you know, stressed about a, or like, you know, worried about a particular um you know, work task, like understand why, understand what's driving that, like try and like spat, uh, spot patterns. Um, and, and then you start like developing like um, characteristics and skill sets, which um, are yeah, more long-term and, and scalable. So like always try and go deeper into like why people are feeling um, certain things and like understand like how you can like change their behavior over the long term and like help them out over the long term rather than just focusing on that like one task at hand so such perfect advice make them count listen don't lead and be prepared to dig deeper and with that we need to wrap up uh today's episode i need to say, say a big thank you to phil for joining us today thank you phil thank you for having me it's been a pleasure I feel like we could have talked for hours Um, as ever I need to thank Mel our virtual producer sitting behind the glass for keeping the show on the road to all of you listening along at home uh, at home working at home maybe exercising who knows remember if you've got an issue you'd like us to discuss drop us a line I'm at Gately on Twitter and we're at Join Charlie we look forward to seeing you again next week I've been Ben Branson Gately your host and this has been the Culture Ops podcast.